1: I am Seth Leapson. Welcome back. Thursday, June 9th, 2022. So trying to boost his popularity and some simulacrum of hipness, I guess. Joe Biden went on Jimmy Kimmel's television show last night. Now, the Kimmel show regularly gets about one and a half million viewers. That would be less than any of your favorite national talk show hosts. You know what would get more viewers? A primetime address or a primetime press conference from the president. But the president, Joe Biden, cannot do that. So we went with the imagery of a comic television host to attempt to engender a different kind of appeal. I'll come back to imagery in a moment. Just an aside, Joe Biden used the appearance last night to redound to standard and warmed over pabulum. For instance, saying, quote, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a MAGA party, close quote. Anyone ever bother to unpack what MAGA means or stands for? Make America great again? Who in the name of all that is decent does not want America great? The Democrats seem to have fixated on the notion that MAGA, the phrase MAGA, is some form of shibboleth or code for something dark and evil, as if there's a MAGA monster out there. That is what they believe. They think we're monsters and they want everyone else to think so, too, as if we are taking away, I don't know, what a monster would do, baby infant formula? or sending lethal drugs into the country, killing record numbers of Americans, or making everything from gas to food more expensive than any other time in our history. We would be monsters if we did that, of course. Then the whole bit about this not being your father's Republican Party. Did Joe Biden support any Republican when the Republican Party was supposedly good? Once upon a time when it was your father's Republican Party, according to him? He was so ardent... A partisan in those days, he openly and proudly worked with segregationist Democrats to oppose Republicans then and did everything he could to block the agendas of the most avuncular of Republicans like George H.W. Bush and his son and, of course, Ronald Reagan and Jerry Ford. Ask Clarence Thomas his views of Joe Biden when he was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee and routinely lied to Clarence Thomas in order to do his level best to keep him off the Supreme Court, to which the most fatherly or grandfatherly of Republicans, George H.W. Bush, had tried to put him. Stop this nonsense of ever-believing Democrats who praise Republicans of yesteryear. They didn't when they were alive and in power. In fact, they treated them exactly the same way they treat live and extant Republicans now. When Goldwater and Reagan were running and running the party, Joe Biden and his Democratic Party had no problem routinely condemning them as racists and Nazis. I've done too many monologues on this to revisit that specifically today, but we can if you want. The point is, all of this pap and propaganda, and I hope it isn't selling. What is interesting is how many things Joe Biden is willing to throw at the country to pull on the country's emotions. Go back to a State of the Union address. It was only three months ago. Usually a State of the Union outlines the president's agenda for the year. Biden's agenda wasn't working. So he seized on Russia's invasion of Ukraine in his State of the Union and spent the first 25 percent of his speech on that issue. Everyone went along and Ukraine flags and sympathies were everywhere. In fact, there were neighborhoods throughout the country where there were more Ukrainian flags than American flags. There were Ukrainian flags where there were no American flags. Maybe if Republicans just said we were Muga instead of MAGA, Biden would lay off. Make Ukraine great again. Seems a lot of Democrats believe in making Ukraine great, while less so about the sentiment to do so for this country. By the way, Russia is still in Ukraine. Ukraine. By the way, the issue came up not at all on Kimmel last night, just as almost nothing Joe Biden spoke of in his state of the union is anything he's focused on now or speaking about on shows like Kimmel's. His issues today are threefold vitiating the Second Amendment, trying to go after his predecessor by exploiting a melee led by and including no Republicans anyone ever heard of and denounced universally by all Republicans anyone ever heard of. And thirdly, condemning his partisan opponents as if they were domestic enemies. So, as promised, back to the issue of imagery that is moving people or meant to move people. Anyone ask why Russia's atrocities in violating the border of Ukraine tugged at so many more heartstrings than the ongoing violation of our America's border and sovereignty and safety or that of the victims of explo- exploitation and trafficking? Yes, of course, they aren't the same imagery by legions of enormity, but it is curious what moves and tugs the heartstrings here. Over 100,000 drug overdose deaths, the majority from drugs coming across the border, moves less than the atrocities in another country, in another continent. Are the Democrats honestly and literally trying to tell us they simply don't believe in keeping America great or making it great again? Andrew Cuomo said the quiet part out loud. Anyone recall? He literally said, the truth is, America was never that great. Well, it sure as hell was to his family, wasn't it? Imagery. In his book, The Image, the great historian Daniel Borsten writes, quote, The making of illusions which flood our experience has become the business of America, some of its most honest and most necessary and most respectable business, close quote. He goes on to write, and this was all way back in the 1960s when he wrote this, he goes on to write, quote, what ails us most is not what we have done with America, but what we have substituted for America. We suffer suffer primarily not from our vices or our weaknesses, but from our illusions. We are haunted not by reality, but by those images we have put in place of reality, close quote. Now, bear with me here. Because I think this is the root of the root and the bud of the bud. Dr. Borston puts it this way, quote, the disproportion between what an informed citizen needs to know and what he can know is growing ever greater. The disproportion grows with the increase of the officials powers of concealment and contrivance. The news gatherers need to select, invent and plan correspondingly increases, close quote. So we are ever increasingly governed by what the media wants us to be moved by. What is decided or concealed or contrived should be important to us. Tyrants may want to ban media to conceal war crimes, but what of purported non-tyrants that want to ban media to conceal facts that might otherwise demand judgments and solutions? The process of alteration was not confined to only newspapers, but to all kinds of documentary evidence and film, George Orwell writes in 1984. At the behest of the party, capital P party. Now, my guess, and it's only a guess, is Joe Biden and the administration just simply don't want the truth and the facts out. So really, one of the few differences between the sovereignty of Ukraine and the United States to this president is that the vice president will be dispatched to the former and not the latter as he will go to the former and not the latter. And the president's rhetoric will also be on behalf of the former and not the latter. And this would be true of any crisis he's asked about, any crisis that's transpired on or been caused by his watch. Now, Joe Biden, the man who was promising to unite the country across partisan lines not so long ago from his campaign to his inauguration speech, has been hell-bent on denouncing Republicans ever since he was sworn into office, going so far as to say the Republicans are the party of traitors like Jefferson Davis and that Republicans are the party of racist bigots like Bull Connor and George Wallace, all of whom were members of his party, the party he chose to affiliate with during the days he said, this wasn't your father's republic. this isn't your father's Republican party. When it was the father's Republican party, he was in the party of George Wallace and Bull Connor. Last night, Biden told Kimmel he would not violate the Constitution the way his predecessor did. Of course, no examples. But what if something that's actually in the Constitution, which is the oath the president takes to uphold it? It is and demands that our president swear to preserve and defend and protect us. Not people in other countries. Us. Yes, Moral obligations attached to the morally and militarily powerful. I get that. We cannot engage in plural ignorance or Kitty Genovese ethics about other people. But shouldn't that notion attach first here, then there? Leo Tolstoy, if you're still allowed to quote him, says everyone wants to change the world and no one wants to change himself. And that should be considered in an extrapolated sense How do you try to change the world by showing more concern about others' borders and lives without doing so here, with the far easier and nearer thing, changing your own people's and country's policies? I'm not counseling inaction or no action in defending Ukraine or any ally or stopping inhumane depredations or civilizational abuse. But I do often wonder what the mood of this country about Nike, Colin Kaepernick and other so-called American corporations and the NBA would be If we had video images out of Shenzhen province, where what is taking place in real time right now comes as close to what Dwight Eisenhower saw in 1945 Germany as anything the world has seen since then, or what a dying drug user or trapped drug addict's life on the street looks like, or a sexually trafficked child or their family. We dismiss the real concerns and atrocities only because they counter the narrative that the failed policies and concerns are succeeding. What we have, is, it is sad to say, is a country better than its leadership. And if I may to take a page from the liberal, the liberal world order advocates, what we have now too, it is sad to say, is a people in other parts of the world that is better than this country's leadership. That is a frightening conclusion, or it should be. Shakespeare put it that some people are born great, some people achieve greatness, and some people have greatness thrust upon them. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were not born leaders. They do not seem to be on their way to achieving a record of great leadership or greatness. But the times demand, as the evidence here and abroad demands, that America be America. And for that to happen, America requires strong, decisive leadership. The world is a dangerous place. Daniel Patrick Moynihan famously warned once. Yes, it is. And so too now is America. Our enemies know this of us. I don't know if our leadership does. They think the enemy is their fellow Americans who simply disagree with their policies. And not without really good reason, by the way. But that is the reality. It is not an image. But you know what the real tyrants and demagogues do? They try to form their country or their state in their own image. The state is me, as the Sun King put it. But we don't do kings here. This is America. And I think her greatness should be embraced and protected, not turned into a down market commodity. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are looking for a great investment opportunity with a fabulous return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to ten and quarter percent for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. They're in the business of helping people dig out of debt and doing so the right way, paying off their debts and doing so with dignity. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Dot com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, and R-E-F-Y dot com. They are a due diligence approved firm, as I say, run by really good people. You can also give them a call at 855-316-3087. InvestYReFi.com. Love those guys. Um, I had mentioned in the monologue that Joe Biden can't do a press conference Uh, He can't really even do teleprompters. What he can do is talk like the old man you saw in the old lemonade commercials, as if he's just speaking to a group of friends, thinking about the good old days. Listen to how he spoke on Kimmel last night.
2: Oh, I'm serious. You turn on the TV. Look at the ads. When's the last time you saw biracial couples on TV? When's the last time you saw the way I mean, people are selling products. They do ads to sell products and they sell products when people they appeal to people.
1: This gen- Can you believe that? Did you catch that? When's the last time you saw the way I mean, people are selling products. They do ads and sell products and they sell products when people they appeal to people. I'll let him keep going if you want.
2: Generation is going to change everything. We just got to make
1: sure we don't give up. Uh, uh, he's saying nothing and literally gibberish. He almost sounds like one of the Johnsons in Blazing Saddles. By the way, he's been doing that biracial couples on TV thing for about three years now. And it's not true. It's not true. I, I, I don't mean to make a big deal of it. I have no issue with it one way or the other. But study after study in advertising has shown that the advertisements on bi- uh, using biracial couples or multiracial couples are overrepresentative of the population of biracial or multiracial couples. He's just not even speaking the truth. So it's a lie followed by, when's the last time you saw the way I mean people are selling products? They do ads and sell products and they sell products when people, they appeal to people. That's one of the reasons he can't talk to a serious journalist. Here's another.
2: No so, question So there's about a it. lot of major things we've done. But what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, uh, um, let me say another way. Well, see, that's cut.
1: Did you catch that? He's trying to talk about the problem of communicating while he cannot communicate. And he asks Jimmy Kimmel to try and bail him out. I'll give it to you again. No
2: so, question about it. So there's a it. lot of major things we've done. But what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, uh, um, let me say another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Yeah, we well, have been but, able to communicate But it look how that. the press has changed.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now here comes the country time lemonade, uh, old man. The press has it has changed. Oh, listen, it's, I, it's, I get
2: it. I know you, get, you overstand it. Yep. You don't just understand it, you overstand <laughs> it. <laughs> But here's the deal one of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a um even with, with notable exceptions even the really good reporters they have to get the number of clicks on on the on nightly news mm-hmm. so instead of asking a question anyway it just everything gets gets sensationalized in ways that this, but i'm convinced does we he do ever finish the sentence get through it. and one of the things look I'm going to take a break, and then we'll talk a little bit more if you don't mind. Him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we have some of those commercials. Boy,
1: that helped him a lot, didn't it? They can do that to help him out. He never finishes a sentence. You know why? He never finishes a thought. That's why he couldn't do the Declaration of Independence. You know, the thing. Oh, I can give you a little more from Kimmel if you want. Well, in climate
2: change, we've actually made some real moves. I mean, we have, we have, you know, one in seven of the, all the changes that have taken place in terms of solar, wind, and. And, and, and wind pumps and i mean uh, pumps and like uh have occurred in the last 18 months we've moved and there's an opportunity with the process we have dealing with energy to be able to gradually move more rapidly than we have been to alternatives for example electric vehicles jimmy when i got elected i've you know i've pushed electric vehicles for the last i don't know god knows how long
1: Oh, for goodness sakes, Elon Musk has been pushing electric vehicles for longer than Joe Biden even knew the word electric vehicle. And what is this business? We have, you know, one in seven of all the changes that have taken place. What is he talking about? One in seven of all the changes that have taken place in terms of solar wind and wind pumps. I mean, uh, pumps and the like have occurred in the last 18 months. Uh, This this is this is a bad joke. Jimmy. Kimmel may be a bad comedian, but last night he hosted a bad joke for a country that, as Wilfred McClay reminds us, is just not serious anymore. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It is a delight to welcome to the show Rachel Mitchell. She is our county attorney here in Maricopa County, and she is running uh, for uh, election for that position in November as she was installed as the interim Maricopa County attorney. Rachel, welcome to the show. I want to talk to you a little bit about your office, your job, and your candidacy for being elected in November. As a first-time guest, Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, any audio autobiography you would like, how you came to be doing, what you're doing, etc.
3: All right. Well, thanks for having me, Seth. Um, I was born in Phoenix, and I grew up here. I went to Grand Canyon University for my undergrad, and then ASU Law School. Uh, I started at the county attorney's office straight out of law school, and uh, was introduced to the prosecution of crimes against children as a law clerk and that really grabbed me and so most of my career at county attorney's office and i've been there 30 years has been prosecuting crimes against children and sex related crimes uh, when uh, bill montgomery was in office he made me his chief deputy so i ran the office briefly back when he left to go to the arizona supreme court but i've also served at every supervisory level within the office
1: well, a lot, of, a, lo- a lot of us are really rooting for you. You know, we look, we look around to what's going on in other major cities, uh, Rachel, if I may, and the importance of having a serious prosecutor who takes the community's safety seriously couldn't, uh, couldn't at this point be of a higher concern. We look at what took place in San Francisco over the last several years and what took place, I guess, two days ago in San Francisco and the people turning it back. It seems to me that those are those are mistakes we don't have to engage in. Right. We know what works in prosecution. We know what works in policing. These social experiments in the name of some kind of misplaced what compassion or victimhood. They really can destroy a community, can't they?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I. I'm glad you called it a social experiment. Good. That was the phrase I was going to use with the word failed in yeah. front of it. <laughs> um, and I'm glad it happened somewhere else. Right. But, um, this is not to say that you use the law to the maximum extent with every single person, if somebody has, for example, an addiction issue. But this leniency that's been shown just across the board on people who are career criminals, who are dangerous, who are harming citizens, is just, it's not backed by research. They always call it research-based. It's not. It's just uh, ridiculous, and it's endangering citizens. And I don't want that to happen here. Uh,
1: thank you. Thank you for putting it that way. Let me also help the audience out with uh, and help your campaign out with our audience. If you want to learn more about Rachel Mitchell or help her campaign out, Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa dot org. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa dot org. You had talked about the addiction issue, Rachel. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the drugs that a lot of Americans, you've known about it for years, I have as well, you've talked about it, I have, but a lot of Americans are learning about the fentanyl scourge that is really responsible for, you know, untold tens and tens of thousands of deaths in the United States, probably close Mm -hmm. to 90,000 deaths a year now – do you intend to increase the penalties for trafficking in these kinds of deadly drugs, or are you going to look at it the way people like Chesa Budin did, which is the people who use it are the victims?
3: Um, I don't think uh, trafficking in fentanyl is uh, done by somebody who is a victim. That is somebody who is profiting off, uh, honestly, the destruction of lives. And, Anybody that views uh, drug trafficking or even drug use as a a victimless crime is very misguided. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of business leaders lately and what they're telling me is it's hard for them uh, to even hire employees because of the number of sentinel addicts that are coming in and stealing things. And of course, as you can imagine, they're not the most rational people at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And it's, affecting businesses which if these businesses shut down, those are jobs. Right. And that then an empty building in the heart of the community. And so the the ripple effect of this is tremendous.
1: One of the things we kind of learned from the Los Angeles and San Francisco experience, failed social experiment, as you like to put it. I agree with your phraseology on that. One of the things we learned is that, um, even the homeless in these homeless encampments, they, they are victims in a sense, they are victims of lack of law enforcement. There is an awful lot of off the awful, tremendous abuse against these people, batteries, sexual crimes. We aren't doing any favors by allowing these places to fester and be free use areas, are we?
3: No, not at all. And in fact, since I mentioned that, you know, my background is in prosecuting crimes yeah. against children and, right. and sex crimes, what we would tell you in that area is that predators look for vulnerable people and vulnerable has you know vulnerability has many faces and one of those faces is drug addiction Mm -hmm. and so you do see um, you know brutal crimes committed against these homeless people that are addicted to fentanyl for example and one of the things that we're hearing is that there are open beds in homeless shelters but because there is a requirement that they stay clean they're not going to that. Yeah. So they're in a far more dangerous place out on the
1: street. Boy, we got a lot of work. To- i got to take a quick commercial break. Uh, if you'll stay with us, I would love to talk to you just a little bit more about uh, your office and your candidacy. I'm Seth Leibson. She's Rachel Mitchell. She is our current county attorney running for election in November. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.org is her website. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rachel Mitchell, our interim county attorney running for election in November, is our guest. Rachel Mitchell from Maricopa.org. Rachel, we were just talking a lot about uh, victims and victimhood. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a bill of a victim's bill of rights in Arizona, have had one for some time, guaranteeing a right to a speedy trial and, you know, a prompt conclusion to a case after conviction and sentencing. And yet we see mm-hmm. huge delays. We can see delays by years before even getting the defendant in court. How do how, yep. how do we get out of this morass? How do we ensure and reinstantiate victims rights here?
3: You know, that is a a big priority for me. One of the things that I inherited uh, in taking over the office was a substantial backlog of charging. uh, And that was a a multifaceted reason. Number one, obviously, COVID created a huge slowdown in the court system. Uh, The other thing was we're seeing, as other other people, uh, a shortage of personnel. We are 20 percent down. And so one of the things that I am doing is uh, increasing the recruitment and incentives uh, for retention to keep good prosecutors in that office so that they can handle those cases. Uh, if you don't have a prosecutor that has you know, a reasonable caseload, they have to delay things, and uh, that does impact victims.
1: Rachel, um, when it comes to some of the stuff you, the police are finding, some of the stuff you have to prosecute, uh, there, there's there's an interesting division problem here, isn't there? Uh, because a lot of this is propelled uniquely to Arizona by being a border state. You know, a lot of the trafficking comes in yeah. through Arizona, be they drugs or humans or children. A, uh, children uh, in sex trafficking institutions, how do, we, how do we handle as locals and local as a matter of local prosecution, how do we deal with that problem proactively when we know at a certain level so much of it is the federal responsibility of protecting the border? Are we always going to have to be kind of in a, in a reactionary mode, in a cleanup mode, uh, an after-the-fact mode, or can we be a little bit more uh, leaning over our skis on this stuff?
3: Well, I think, you know, it's very important for people to understand so that they can be vocal in how um, they talk to their elected representative to have control over matters related to the border, how much this is affecting their life. Um, but I think it's also you, there is a reality where you have to be in a reactionary mode yeah. and prosecute. these You have to make it an undesirable place to come. And another thing you have to do is you have to make sure that these people are are held in jail with sufficient bonds or, you know, make sufficient bonds so that they're going to show up for court as opposed to flee back over the border and never be brought to justice. So there's a lot of things that we can address both in a reactive way as well as a proactive way.
1: One of the proactive things, you know, we, we talked in our first segment, Rachel, we talked a little bit about things we know, things that work in prosecution and community safety and policing. And how so much of the progressive effort in prosecution, like in California, as we're seeing it, just took all that knowledge, all that research and took us back to year zero with it. Part of it has to do with indeed looking at all crime, doesn't it? Um, There is really no such thing as a victimless crime. You had said that earlier. There is really no such thing as a quality of life crime that shouldn't be prosecuted. It does seem to me one of the things we learned is that where you let a little crime fester, a lot more will be fostered. Still true, as far as you understand it?
3: Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's referred to as the broken windows theory. The Skilling, um, uh, James to- Q.
1: Wilson and George Skelling, right? Yeah.
3: Yes, and it was what was implemented in New York City that was so successful. If you start allowing these uh, lesser offenses, such as trespassing by, you know, homeless encampments and disregarding the, the, the laws that are lesser offenses, then you're creating just a sense of lawlessness throughout, and then greater things happen. A community diminishes and crime flourishes. And so you have to take everything seriously. Obviously, there are resource issues, and you have to be smart about how you spend those resources. But you, you can't just look at it and say, that doesn't matter. It does matter.
1: One of the, uh, one of the things you have to fight, I just know, <laughs> I've had to fight it too for different reasons, but one of the things you have to fight is nonsense from the other side, not just crime, but nonsense, <laughs> nonsensical arguments, nonsensical propaganda. And one of those pieces has to do with one of these drivers of tremendous crime and damage, which is drug trafficking. And one of the things you will hear from the progressives about uh, about about prosecution and drug laws is that our jails and prisons are filled with innocent drug users. That's not who we're arresting, is it, Rachel? That's not who we're going after. That's not who are in our prisons and jails. They are not innocent drug users, are they?
3: That is absolutely a false statement from them when they say that. First of all, mere possession of drug offenses um, in Arizona is not even prison eligible for the first offense. That's right. A lot of times, yeah, I mean, and, and so it, they get probation, and when they violate probation, they get probation again. That's right. So the notion that they're just a bunch of uh, innocent drug users in prison is false. These are people typically who have either been selling drugs or they are committing additional crimes to go along with their drugs. That's addiction. right.
1: And drugs is on the sheet. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, Exactly right.
3: Yes. For example, if somebody has possession of a drug and they have a felony prior and they also have a weapon, a gun on them, and they are sent to prison on both of those offenses, the weapon as well as the drug, it's classified as a drug offense. It's not classified as a weapon. Right. So you really know what's behind those statistics.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to you piercing through so much of these myths and propaganda throughout the campaign and your tenure. I'm looking forward to you continuing to keep our community safe and being elected in November. Rachel, this show has had typically a very close association with the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, and I look forward to uh, a long relationship with it under your leadership. I want to thank you for your time and effort.
3: Thank you so much, Seth, for having me on. I appreciate
1: it. First of many returns, I hope. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.org. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.org. Rachel, Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Talk to you soon. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Cool Touch Air Conditioning and heating, air conditioning, heating and plumbing, really they do it all. They're a great company. I've used them for all those things. You don't care about the heat part right now, but know that Cool Touch focuses on only two things, putting the customer first and always doing what they say they will do. I've had that experience with them. All my friends who have used Cool Touch have had that experience with them. Fantastic organization, 17 years in business. If you have an air conditioning problem, you want Cool Touch. Check them out at CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com or give them a call at 623-734-1932. All right. Well, you know what? They're going to do the hearings uh, tonight on most of the, uh, most of the channels live. Um, keep your bearings. Understand politics in the English language. If it helps, go back and read that essay by George Orwell. Think about the Devil's Dictionary. Think about how you revise policy by revising history and make words mean what you want them to mean rather than what the speaker means when he said them. That's its own kind of tyranny. And it is a tyranny we live under because the language has been corrupted for political purposes. Think about this. Speech is now violence. Violence is now mostly peaceful. Invoking someone, imploring someone to march peacefully and patriotically is incitement to insurrection. Gender changing is gender affirming. And keeping hands off a body is having clinicians operate in your body. Wanting those hands off the body is putting your hands on it. Yeah, I don't know if it's Ambrose's Devil's Dictionary or if it's Abraham Lincoln's Wolf Dictionary, Wolf's Dictionary. But that's where we are, folks. That's where we are. And we'll get into it more tomorrow. Until then, God bless you all. I am Seth Leibson. Class is dismissed.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.